Welcome to the Hello Someday podcast, the podcast for busy women who are ready to drink less and live more. I'm Casey McGuire-Davidson, ex-red wine girl turned life coach, helping women create lives they love without alcohol. But it wasn't that long ago that I was anxious, overwhelmed, and drinking a bottle of wine a night to unwind. I thought that wine was the glue holding my life together, helping me cope with my kids, my stressful job, and my busy life. I didn't realize that my love affair with drinking was making me more anxious and less able to manage my responsibilities. In this podcast, my goal is to teach you the tried and true secrets of creating and living a life you don't want to escape from. Each week, I'll bring you tools, lessons, and conversations to help you drink less and live more. I'll teach you how to navigate our drinking-obsessed culture without a buzz, how to sit with your emotions when you're lonely or angry, frustrated or overwhelmed, how to self-soothe without a drink, and how to turn the decision to stop drinking from your worst-case scenario to the best decision of your life. I am so glad you're here. Now let's get started. Hey there. I've got some big news for you that I have been not so patiently waiting to tell you about. After six months away, my super popular, completely free masterclass is back and it's better than ever. I've been working on it for months. So if you have been struggling to get sober momentum, please go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class. You can sign up for my free training, Five Secrets to Taking a Break from Drinking, even if you've tried and failed in the past. In this 60-minute masterclass, I am going to share with you all the things you need to stop doing because they're setting you up for self-sabotage and what you need to start doing instead. I am giving you the steps and the mindset shifts that I go through every day with my private coaching clients, and it is completely free. So if you are sober curious, if you've been thinking about taking a break from alcohol, this class is going to set you up for success. I promise you it is worth your time. So hit pause on this episode, go to hellosomedaycoaching.com forward slash class and save your seat. Hi there. In this episode, we're talking about self-care for busy mothers going alcohol-free. And I'm so excited to dive into this topic because I know there are so many moms out there, like I was, struggling with drinking too much or too often and who are in the endless loop of starting and stopping and starting again. My guests today are Kate Bailey and Mandy Manners, the authors of Love Yourself Sober, a self-care guide to alcohol-free living for busy mothers. And their book is coming out today in the U.S. in paperback. So if you're interested in finding it, they will tell us where you can get it. But I assume it's amazon.com and everywhere else. Kate and Mandy are certified coaches. They're sober besties who met online writers, community builders, and podcast hosts. They work with women who are questioning their drinking and want to create a life they love sober. So Kate and Mandy, welcome. I am so glad you're here. Oh, thanks for having us. Yeah, really excited. Hi. 
Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's awesome. I know we're talking to both. So maybe we can be like, I'll occasionally be like, Mandy, Kate, what's uh what I know everyone's kind of thinks we're the same person, especially if we're talking out of kind of the British lot. It's just like Mandy and Kate. So like we are actually different people, but I guess we sound the same. So <laughs> I'm Mandy, if you yeah. can. And I'm Here Kate. Yeah. yeah. And so Mandy, you live in France, even though you're originally from the UK? Yeah, that's right. So I grew up in um, in England, um, in a small town and then kind of all over. My parents live in London. I met a French man when I was uh, out of university. So we lived in England for about four years together and then moved here 14, no, 15 years ago. So Lovely. Crazy. <laughs> Well, so I know your book is coming out today. And of course, I've read it and I listened to it on Audible as well. And I think it is such a great resource for moms in particular, and also working moms who are busy and trying to do all the things who also are questioning their drinking and trying to get out of it. But will you tell us about why you wrote the book and what it's all about? Yeah, thanks, Casey. Um, So it's Kate here now. (laughs) We're going to be doing this, aren't we, all the way through? Yeah, I mean, I think the heart of it came from our own journey, really. Um, We were both busy, stressed out mums coping with all the things, like you said. And it was just, yeah, it was just written from the perspective of our kind of respective journeys, really. And as we sort of went along, you know, that the bumpy road of, of motherhood and womanhood, I suppose, into motherhood. And I think for both of us, there was a sort of an escalation, you know, in terms of alcohol use, in terms of mental health, in terms of all of those things, the kind of almost perfect storm of the female experience, I think, in this kind of busy, you know, busy modern modern world that expects so so much of mums so um and yeah so we both we both quit drinking um we talked a little bit before didn't we that we'd we stopped for a year both of us and we'll probably go into our journeys a bit more and then started again after about a year and it was very much that kind of gray area what we call gray area of drinking where it was starting to accelerate but not people wouldn't necessarily know And so when we both started on the sober journey about eight years ago, there wasn't really that much out there. There was still this kind of rock bottom, black and white sort of story narrative. And it's very difficult to kind of understand, piece it together, to try and articulate it and then meet our needs, I'd say. And so that kind of journey, the journey into sobriety and then using sobriety as this kind of cornerstone to then explore self-care, mental health, positive psychology, tools for living came out of that kind of one first fundamental act. And really that book is the sum of all of our knowledge. (laughs) I'm saying us, it's like with the real we, isn't it? It's like we're in kind of relationship. Um, Wow. Yes, over the last over the last seven, eight years, I'd say. So it's sort of everything we know, really. Got anything to add, Mand? Yeah, I think, I mean, we started the podcast. Well, I mean, how we met was um, through a sober forum online called Sober Easters, which was, you know, kind of the first place. I mean, there's so many now, which is 
fantastic but you know when we were both independently we didn't know each other we we're both sort of searching you know as a lot of us do in the middle of the night you know when you wake up at four o'clock again um you know am I an alcoholic um you know do I have a problem with alcohol and we found this forum online and that's we you know we both sort of started blogging there independently um and then through the kind of going backwards and forward period when I came back the sort of third or fourth time where I was like you know okay sorry everyone you know <laughs> back again I didn't sort of you know that I, I thought I was the only one in the world that could moderate but obviously I you know I'm not and um and at that time the the form had grown like hugely and um and I remember sort of seeing Kate's little icon and thinking that you know she she wrote really well and I really liked kind of her style and she had this picture of like a really nice sparkly um, bobble hat and I was like I want to be friends with her <laughs> so I basically sort of, uh, yeah um, and so I'd been listening I'd started listening to podcasts in in the states this time around so I was like you know as you do when you come back again and again it's like right what can I try now like read another book and I'd started sort of blogging on Instagram and started making a community there and I was listening to podcasts and I really liked that f- sort of format and I was like you know I think there's something missing here like you know there were really really good sort of American podcasts but they just didn't have that kind of the British experience essentially which was you know it's very much kind of that binge drinking from a very young age you know we had that whole kind of Brit pop era in the 90s where music was really important and you know women drinking a lot was really important and they kind of call it the ladettes kind of period so I wanted to talk about that so I asked Kate, we didn't know each other. I was just like, would you want to do a podcast? And she was, wow. training, she was training to be a coach at the time. And so I think she was in that. She just put her blog, like Love Sober, online. And so she was like, yeah, she'd never listened to a podcast before. <laughs> she was just like, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How do we do it? Yeah, exactly. What? So we were just what? like, I have no idea. So we just sort of Googled it online and we're like, well, you know, if, it, if one person listens and actually if it oh. keeps us accountable to like let's just sort of do it and um and Kate had been working on on a book because Kate was a journalist beforehand had been working on a book proposal so it just kind of none of it was planned it was really organic and so she shared the book idea with me um you know my story was quite a lot of kind of you know I had a, a quite a big burnout I had um you know a problem with PTSD so I had quite a mental health story coming in and Kate had this whole self-care element where she'd been studying the science of happiness realizing that actually we could you know go for treats make our life wonderful be really positive about it and so it was just a really interesting mix and so we sort of brought those two elements together really and that's yeah that's what's in the book I suppose as Kate said it's all our all, all the things we know and have learned I guess. Yeah, I love that because it's funny. I think it's so important one that you sort of saw a gap that people weren't necessarily talking about women's experiences, for example, in the UK, because I think when you're going on this journey, and I also listen to a lot of podcasts, it's really important to hear women like you, you know, women who have the same experiences, have the same feelings, maybe have the same, you know, work life experience, have children, um, if that is your experience to both 
hear that you're not alone and it's going to be okay as, as well as like figuring out tools that can work for you. Because I, you know, it was crazy. We were talking before the podcast and all three of us had sort of a similar experience. All three of us stopped drinking for the first time eight years ago. And all three of us started drinking again after a year. And of Mm -hmm. course, that was not my first time that I stopped drinking, that I got a year. I had been worried about my drinking for at least five or six years before that and sort of debating the same thing. Like, do I just abuse alcohol or am I actually an alcoholic? God forbid, that's got to be not the case. So let me try to moderate for a couple more years. And what I love about us talking about that out loud is because so many women are like, how did you just get it? Or they're in the space where they're like, I've stopped, but I still want to drink or I don't want to stop yet. And like, that's a process that almost everyone goes to until you get to the point where, you know, you've had some time sober, you've had gone back to drinking. Not that I'm suggesting anyone go back to drinking if you're sober, because sober momentum is so precious and important, but where you get is you just see that not drinking is both easier and so much better than trying to hold on to that moderation. Yeah. And I think for me, it was very much because I started, I mean, Instagram's not the same place as it, as it was, you know, now, unfortunately the algorithm has kind of changed how people interact, but you know, that it was a really interesting kind of time and you know, when I sort of came back to sobriety again, and I was looking at kind of mental health activism, and lots of people talking out about kind of depression and anxiety. And I was like, Oh, hang on, I think I might have a story there. Like, I think something, you know, that maybe I can talk about this, you know, that was the first kind of opening, like, maybe I don't need to be ashamed that I had, Mm. you know, a breakdown and that I had burnout. And I found things really difficult. And then I started reading around kind of because I was coming back to sobriety again. And I read Annie Grace and you know, I read William Porter's book, you know, Alcohol Explained, and I was like, but alcohol is a depressant. I was like, hang on a second, you know, alcohol is a depressant. I have depression and anxiety. I'm on antidepressants. I struggle to sleep. Like, this is something that people need to know. You know, it's about that just being informed. It's like whatever choice you're going to make, like, be informed about it and be able to make a choice and be able to look after your brain. And that was a real game changer for me because it was just like, okay, you know, there's no shame there. I just want to look after my brain. Like I don't ever want to be as bad as I was and feeling as as sad as I was and, and disconnected from my life, you know, and, and alcohol was part of that. And and so it's difficult, you know, and and at the same time on social media, you had all these kind of like, mummy bloggers the mumpreneurs and they were really cool and you know red lipstick and like living their best life but still being real and you know and so there was this kind of there was a sense of belonging to women drinking at the end of the day because it was like life was hard and all of a sudden we were being able to talk about life being hard and being real parents and honest parenting but what was happening as you were having the gin and tonic at the, you know, the end of the day, but not seeing what was happening afterwards. So it was like, okay, there's something to do here. You know, there is this, like, you can, you can still be that person and have your life, but if alcohol isn't serving you anymore and if it's making you miserable and it's impacting on your mental health and it's making you, you know, um, be impatient with your kids, like just feel 
really unhappy like so much shame it's just like you don't have to do it you know and so it's about sort of presenting that positive model of you just get rid of one thing and then you get so much more and you know and and that's why I love sober I suppose because it's like yeah it's the best decision I ever made and I know for Kate as well and I mean life hasn't been simple if anyone listens to our podcast we've had a lot in the last you know few years we've had you know Kate lost her sister-in-law very suddenly you know I lost a, a friend you know COVID there's so much that's that's happened but you know sobriety is the thing that kind of keeps us safe really and it's the anchor so yeah as much as we can spread that word to other mums and just go you know what like like no shame or no blame like you using something that worked for a while you live in an alcocentric world where everyone's telling you it's okay you know you're getting it modeled back to you by everyone else going like just have a glass of wine you're not that bad but if it's not feeling good for you, like there's another way and, you know, um, there's places you can go and friends that you can make. And that's what we were just talking about, you know, like power of kind of the sisterhood, the sober sisterhood is just is fantastic, you know, and it, it's not a scary, dark and horrible thing to do anymore. It's it's joyous and mm. just need some tools and some help along the way, you know. And I love that I saw that in your book. And I also, I listened to your podcast. I'll link to it. It's called Love Sober. It's beautiful and amazing and real. And I love that you talked about mental health because I also struggled and, you know, continue to, you know, medicate for and deal with and, and sort of calibrate for anxiety and depression. And I didn't realize how much, drinking was, you know, for many years, contributing to that, like, you know, and making it harder for me, you know, I did the thing where I was on antidepressants and drinking a bottle of wine a night. I thought when people said don't drink on this, they were sort of just, you know, CYA covering their ass. Like, I didn't think they were (laughs) serious, because that seemed crazy. And so it wasn't until I quit drinking that I was able to actually medicate in the proper way and put the tools in place to make my anxiety and my depression so much better to the point that like finally five years later, I'm off um, antidepressants and SSRIs because, you know, I have the tools in place and I've done a lot of work, but it took a long time and I'm still, you know, I still all transparency, take a mood disorder medication that has helped me so much. But when you talk about it, there's so much less stigma about it. Yeah. And to be honest, I mean, I I don't, I think sometimes there's a kind of, there's a real sort of um, mission to get off antidepressants. Like it's like, okay, there's something that I have to do. And I certainly got stuck in that trap that was like, okay, right. uh, You know, I need to make sure I I get off antidepressants. So I quit drinking, I get sort of much better and things like that. And then I come off my antidepressants with my doctor's, you know, approval. And then two months later, I'd be back to drinking and I just never kind of made the link, you know, so it's like, it's great if you can get there. But as you say, it's like you, the work and the support and the toolkit. And it's like, if I have to stay on antidepressants for the rest of my life, that's Oh, fine. I think I'll stay on my <laughs> yeah. mood disorder As long medication. as I don't drink. Like, I think I'll stay fine. on it for the rest of my life. I finally yeah. figured out that it actually, I, for years thought I had depression, and anxiety and it, which I, I'm sure I did, but it was actually this undiagnosed mood disorder Mm. that I never would have figured out had I not been going to therapy and 
doing all the things and yet still having these highs and lows. And my doctor finally was like, I don't think this medication is what you need. I think it's this other one. And in the same vein, like my husband's like, are you going to stay on that forever? And I was like, I never want to feel the way I did before. Like it was scary. And yes, if I don't have to feel that again, you know, no shame. I'm going to, I'm going to stay on it. But I know a huge part is self-care, Kate. So I wanted to ask you about all the amazing tools in the book that you lay out so clearly where women can start taking care of themselves so they're not relying on alcohol. Yeah, I I think it's funny, isn't it? Because I definitely had that, the mental health piece as well. Um, And I was, I was just trying to think as Mandy was talking and then, and then you were talking and the, the way that I can sum it up the best is that I just, it was like keeping up appearances. There was a TV show here in the eighties about, it was like the upper middle, well, the, the sort of upper working classes, middle class. Um, and it was very sort of aspiring, it was taking the mickey out of that kind of aspiring, kind of like everything looking fine, but being a bit shitty under the surface. And I think that's like how it was for me. It was like, you know, I felt like I was like disconnected from my life really and you know and I had two beautiful children a loving husband I'd moved to the burbs was renovating a house I had a job as a writer and yet it was like I was side on to my life I was never properly connected um and I too am on antidepressants despite I mean I have had a really rough trot the last few years I mean I won't list it for this podcast as I really don't want to depress people but um and I am generally really kind of positive aren't I Mandy and yeah. I'm always look for the bright spots and that is the kind of like you said that's the sort of self-care toolkit that I assembled since being going sober and that second time of going ah oh, okay it's not just about quitting booze it's about you know, getting the toolkit. And I think I started the self-care journey. Like I always say, sometimes it's inside out and sometimes it's outside in. And I think I definitely started outside in because I didn't know how to be with myself or practice self-compassion or, you know, really nurture myself at all. I was just, I was quite like, come on then, let's just sort it out, snap out of it. You know, like if if I was feeling sad, I, you know, I have a few voices there what does our friend rose calls it the committee you know come on then chop chop and um so i think i started i'm a big fan still of sober treats of let's get some let's reward ourselves every day for for, for you know it's like that i've been good i've i've done well i've done good you know because i think we have especially as women we have such a negative bias and we take ourselves for granted and society takes our endeavours and our efforts often as carers. And, you know, we're not seen or appreciated as much as we should be. And we don't. And it's almost like we don't have that skill ourselves. And I don't know if it's the same in the US, but in England, it's very much to really say, you know what, I did really well and I'm really proud of this. That's looked down on a bit in the UK. It's we're very, you know, you you mustn't be too big headed. It's like we're very good at like, you know, someone says, oh, you look nice today. And you what, what this old thing or yeah, oh, no, yeah. I haven't slept. I'm ever so tired. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know it was only 50p. I got it in a kind of. Thrift well, I think store. in the US, it's 
slightly different, but exactly the same thing that women need. Because Mm. in the US, it's like everybody prides themselves on how busy they are, how little time they have, how much they have on the plate, how much they're multitasking. Like women, a lot of times, especially if they're overachievers or people pleasers, feel like their worth is measured in how many things they cross off their list and how many plates they're juggling. Like they aren't worthy of of being valued if they just are. And they feel like they're being selfish if they take time for themselves. And, you know, I love that you love sober treats because it's huge in the work I do and in my beliefs too, because the thing is you do deserve a reward at the end of the day, you have worked hard. You do deserve to downshift and to have fun after being a mom and a wife and a you know house and working. If you do that, it's just that mm-hmm. wine isn't the treat. No, you just need, you need to rewire your reward structure. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We're sold. It is the treat. We're very much marketed as that is the treat. That's the reward. That's the solace, whatever. Um, and it, and it is really important to, like you say, to rewire the reward system, rewire the brain, you know, get those little, don't start us on the dopamine hits, but yeah. you know, it is, it, it, you know, it is the neuroscience is, is there. Um, so it, it sort of started as that. And I'd say it, it moved on to sort of boundaries. I would say that, you know, you do the day in day out and underneath it was like plate tectonic shifting before I knew what I knew what a no was. I, I could sense my no. And that sounds really crazy. You know, I got to 40 and I was like, I don't, I often don't know. I don't know. You ask me something and I, I you know, whether I want to do something, I have no idea. And so I started to sense my my no because obviously I couldn't numb out anymore and then feel kind of underneath, feel kind of cross and then get to a point and then drink. It was like, ah, oh, okay, I can feel that, that I'm really cross about that. So that was really helpful. And I started to, you know, and I loved the mantra, if it's not a hell yeah, it's a hell no. Mm-hmm. So I had to make my boundaries really, really clear and just say that that was my guiding principle. And then it became more nuanced as I got on and I was coming out of my comfort zone. I could be more nuanced and take a few few risks. But for, for quite a while, I, you know, I just sat on the sofa and watched TV. And in the evening, I watched um, Dallas, which is really embarrassing. For <laughs> <laughs> we like always from say, back in the day? Like yeah, we always Dallas. say like uh, Dallas got Kate sober and Downton got me sober because it nice. was like another thing when we connected. It was like, what did you do in the first couple of months? It's like, I watched Downton like an episode every night. She was like, I watched Dallas. Yeah, because so- in the beginning, you're just passing the time. Yeah, you're just, just routine, getting just those routine. days away from drinking and it is hard so you know you don't like take on life in your first two weeks and like say I want to do this and I want to do that because you're so fucking tired and you're just trying to make it through yeah yeah and that doesn't last but it's really really I think again because we we put so much pressure on ourselves and there's such Mm. sort of like the cult of perfectionism um I was going to say, like, I think in the US, it's more like, you know, an epidemic of success. You know, it's really success driven culture. Um, Or like trying to look successful and like you have it all together. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think there, I think it might have been a British book, that one that's like, I don't know how she does it. Or there's a book, it was a couple of years ago. I don't know how she does it. It's a fiction book. And it was just, you know, the answer is she does it. 
you know, yeah. falling apart inside. Yeah. Um, and that's it, though, isn't it? It is that kind of just putting those things together, sort of a mixture of kind of boundaries, saying no, expecting more, advocating for ourselves. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And slowly, slowly, the sort of sober path as you tread it, because you can't kind of hide anywhere and you don't and you know that it doesn't work too and it's making you feel crap a sort of beautiful inevitable consequence of the day in day out being with yourself means you get to really know yourself and you know what works and what what doesn't and I think that kind of the really big parts of the sort of more inner work I'd say were like things like mindfulness self-compassion practice I do a yoga a lot of yoga um, nervous system regulation like I lie down on the floor five times a day and it's like you get the kind of confidence to do things that might look quite strange to the outside world like that but I was like actually that's me I know now that that's me resetting my nervous system okay I want to hear what happens when you lie down on the floor five times a day like how does that help you and how long oh. <laughs> I just exhale because I have a tendency to rush. I, I had a tendency to rush through the day trying to get somewhere and missing everything in the process and then getting to five o'clock and then crashing going, you know, crash and burn moment. So it's a real sort of like, that's how I pace myself. Mm-hmm. So, and sometimes I just realize that I've got all antsy. Do you know that word? Antsy? Yes, antsy. That's, that's right. What we- what do you call it? We call it antsy. Like that's antsy. our accent, yeah. I guess. I'm really antsy. Yeah. So I go and I realize I just actually, you know, before I wouldn't know, but I, I you know, it works. I lie down on the ground and then I'm not antsy anymore. <laughs> and I get off. <laughs> and is there a reason it's on the ground, not on a bed? I think it's, well, I, I think it's probably to do with your uh, nervous system. It's probably to do with grounding. It's like a somatic <laughs> technique. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, it you is. feel grounded with the f- the floor I'm just um, gonna try it so I'm, I'm asking yeah. all the questions yeah try it I mean I had a client who you know she sort of said oh you know I used to, I used to quite like sleeping on the floor and then and you know and that was really I sleep really well and I was like all right you know why did you stop well you can't sleep on the floor can you you know it's that typical thing it's like because society says it's like it it should look a certain way yeah and then you know she was exhausted and I was like well mm why don't you try sleeping not that I give advice to my clients obviously um but I was like <laughs> gave some very good coaching question about it but um and uh so she went back sleeping on the floor and she loves it you know she nice. just feels more connected with the the ground and it feels safer to her and it feels you know something that she feels maybe she doesn't with. want to be with her husband maybe she's no, just she's single oh <laughs> yeah but that, that could be but I, I think it's interesting because we we talk a lot about kind of you know when you start to look into different holistic practices from different religions from different you know um sort of different different ways of living you can pick up so many different good tips and that I mean this kind of came up because we were thinking about how you know the the, the Muslim call to prayer you know, that they they lie down on the floor and they, you know, they sort of pray to Mecca five times a day. And actually it's, you know, when you think about it, they're doing really good breath work and they're they're regulating their nervous system. So that was then, and Kate was like, I think I might like to lie down on the floor. I don't, I don't think, no, but they don't lie down on the floor. It's a prayer thing, but it is down on the floor. Like you're right. Touching the ground. Yeah. 
and it's a co you know like the reason I kind of do yoga or maybe we'll go for a walk in you know that whole thing about like we need to connect with people right we mm-hmm. talked about that before being seeing other people who we can connect with and we we relate to and so whether that's you know finding your sober besties your sober tribe um go you know like I I love my yoga community and it's that whole thing about um you you know that you need to co-regulate with people you need to connect with people you also need alone time if you're busy stressed out frazzled mums you're going to need tools to soothe your nervous system and sensory overload I didn't realize from from having my uh, my son as the last few years um he's been diagnosed as neurodiverse now through um some talks to sort of professionals around that I had no idea that I was so I have a sensory processing wow that's um, a huge realization right and so a lot of the time things were too loud for me or too bright for me and so obviously what do we do what so many of us drink to make things go quiet or to have space and to sort of soothe out, yeah, to kind of bring Yeah, there's out. this bubble around you. I found, yeah. you know, my family makes fun of me now, but I'm like, can you turn it down? Like, I'm really like, yeah. everything's too loud. Yeah, and it's it's really interesting. So many sort of women in our community have sort of realized that there's, you know, some ADD, ADHD, some sort of neurodiversity, or some, you know, introversion, being sort of highly sensitive, because it is that sort of the the impact of the world on you, you know, I mean, certainly for growing up in England, I I worked in pubs and bars and clubs, you know, and so you'd walk in, it'd be like, whoosh, like noise, at that time, smoke, like Mm -hmm. music, all that sort of stuff. And what do you do? You go straight to the bar and you have a drink that I mean, that's what I did. And it'd be like, I'd, I'd go straight to the bar and I'd have a drink and then I'd buy two, you know, one to drink straight away, and one to take back to the table because it was oh, completely overwhelming. And then you start to think about your nervous system. I mean, my hack is I have um, like noise quietening headphones, which are amazing because like sometimes just sitting in the same room with my kids while they're watching cartoons it's like super stressful for my brain like it just so I put them on and turn them on and it's just like (sighs) well and I think that's a big deal when you have kids like it's so rare that you are alone it's so rare that the house is quiet and you know, a lot of the women I work with, and I know a lot of the women who listen to this podcast have kids and they're just like, it's too chaotic. It's Mm, too loud. I can't hear myself think. And so, you know, a lot of times, you know, you mentioned neurodiversity and other things. We do self-medicate. Like I know I self-medicated for anxiety and, and all the things, but you do think it's helping you because of the way it impacts your nervous system. And you don't know about all the, you know, side effects and, and repercussions. Yeah, exactly. And so that's, you know, that's the work, isn't it? It's not just like stopping something that you really want to do and then leaving yourself in a state of deprivation and trying to cope. Like we were trying to cope in the first place. You know, that's why we sort of started drinking too much. And so it's like, okay, let's just get really sort of skillful at uh, looking after ourselves and and building our toolkit of different things. You know, what what do I need when I'm angry? What do I need? And it doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter, you know, if no one else does it. If it works for you and it, like, helps you and it calms you down or, you know, I mean, I put on my headphones and I dance around listening to, you know, drum and bass and sort of 
really sort of loud hip hop but that gets gets my emotions sorted you know I can flip my emotions with music and what a tool that is you know fantastic and and so it's just sort of asking yourself those questions of like what do I need what's going on with me and how can I soothe it you know and that's why you know you work with a coach or you make friends and communities so you can ask these questions and get that sort of peer support of going you know what like I'm really struggling with the noise and then they can go oh you should try these headphones they're amazing or like you Mm. know why don't you go in the bath and like listen to this because the bath's been super healing for me you know I've got complex PTSD that was my safe space and uh, you know a lot of my healing has happened in the bath because I'm held and Mm. who knew that right um it means that I can I can cry I can think I can you know listen stuff I can meditate I can't meditate sat down it's not safe space for me to do anything like that but in the bath when I can play with the water you know I can I can and so yeah I guess it's that thing of just be curious and don't be afraid of what other people think you know and community can be so huge like I know you guys met in a sober group I also found most of my sober besties and the support I needed in a sober, you know, secret Facebook group. And it is, it's that, you know, group crowdsourcing of tools that might be able to be used. It's the support when you're getting started and people just telling you like, that's normal. It's going to get better. Hold on. I felt that way too. And, you know, it's also just finding people who you're like, wow, she's just like me, or I want to be friends with her. Like, I always see people and I'm like, oh, you're cool. Let's, let's get to know each other. And just, you know, you get to go on that journey together and you start to find more support and more resources. It's like following the breadcrumbs. So you find a podcast and then you find a book and then you find a tool. So I always encourage women to you know, find those sources. For me, it was the booze free brigade. And I have a a guide that I'll link to in the show notes free guide for how to find that group. And I know we're both in the she recovers together group. And she recovers the coaching group as well. But there's so many great resources out there. And I know you have a community as well. Do you want to tell us about that? I just want to say before we before we do, I, I, I wanted to point out, I'd really echo that. And for me, um, especially the early days, A, there was that thing that I didn't want to go to a traditional recovery base. B, I couldn't because my husband worked in a different city and I couldn't have childcare. So the online space is amazing. And it can, you know, and I used to do that, I used to put the kids to bed. And that time that you would fill, I could watch TV, but I'd have my laptop or my iPad. And I chat online with with other women and it was like so I just can't we both we're yeah. totally down for communities aren't we we're like that is it is so key but yeah our community Mandy do you want to talk about it yeah I know I was just going to say mentioning she recovers there as well you know when I kind of came back um, and was making friends on Instagram I got put in a group with loads of women that were in the states and they introduced me to she recovers and and I flew to LA I went to the conference on my own oh I did too I was there too, <laughs> too you can meet in person 
yeah and you know and how crazy is that right like I flew from Paris on my own to LA um, to meet loads of people that I'd never met before you know and and so you do you you and it was just the most incredible healing experience for me you know I shame booth was amazing for me and just sort of being in that and seeing all those women just living you know life sober was incredible Mm. so you you get you can be brave you know and and you never know what's gonna happen and Mm. yeah and I I love that because I'm super social and I needed that like I didn't want to just sort of be on my own being sober in France on my own I don't know any sober people where I live um but that's all right because I've got like loads of friends all over the world so um, and yeah, so our community is, um, it's on Facebook, it's called Love Sober Membership Community, um, or I mean, everything that we do is um, available on lovesober.com. So we have um, a couple of courses, we run a three month program for women, uh, Love Sober Life School, which will start again in uh, March the 21st, I believe. Um, we have a like a six week program. Um, self-study program and then we have the link to the community as well and it's it you know we try and keep it small it's um it has a, a small membership fee um we decided not to have an open group um just for preference and our, our capabilities too you know we're both working mums like we just don't have the capacity to be looking after a really big group so safety and that security of those those members is really important to us and we were doing events. I mean, we did uh, a couple of workshops, um, but obviously with COVID, that's not happening at the moment. Um, but yeah, we, I, I mean, it's just so great to sort of see people making friends and connecting and just that kind of peer support and just love from other women that just, you know, it's like, we get it. Don't worry. It's fine. Like no shame, it's, you know we'll get yeah. through it kind of thing is just incredibly humbling really you know and it's the opposite of well it is that whole connection is the opposite of addiction kind of thing isn't it where you know it, it's definitely the opposite of where I was which was trying to keep up appearances being in my home hanging out with some school mums who I just had literally zero in common with yeah <laughs> And would like just go and have mum's nights. Not it was just when I look back, I'm like, I cannot believe. I know that sounds all because I'm I think also you can have stuff like you can hang out with people um because of your kids. That's fine. We have circumstantial friendships that are mutually beneficial, like we have all kinds of connections and friendships, don't we? But mine in particular, I cannot believe how rubbish they were. <laughs> And I know none of them will be listening to this. <laughs> and if they did, they'd be like, they'd be sober now and they'd be going, yeah, they were. It was a bit rubbish, wasn't it? Let's make friends now. It's sober. We can have some proper chats. But, you know, it is that opposite of just squashing everything down, trying to cope, medicating with a bottle of wine and just pretending everything's okay, isn't it, on sober forums? It's like, no, I feel rubbish today and I'm going to chat about it. And it's... yeah. I mean, I made so I also quit drinking when I was 40. And I was amazed that in that year, and in the subsequent years, I made so many new friends. And I hadn't made, you know, I had my friends from work and from high school and from college and local Seattle moms. But 
it was pretty, you know, small. I wasn't meeting new people anymore, maybe one or two a year that like became friends. And the year I quit drinking, I made so many new friends and honest friendships and deep friendships and friendships that were so supportive and not surface at all. And that's a huge revelation at that point in life that you can expand your world and find you know, sort of close friendships you probably haven't had since high school or college. Yeah, yeah, I, f- I feel the same. And I do feel like, um, I love that phrase. Um, someone said it to me recently. It's a bit like the take on those people who mind don't matter and those people who matter don't mind sort of thing. You know, that anxiety you have when you stop drinking. And I know that my friends previous, because we'd moved to a new town, I have older friends who just have my back and they are, you know, 100% lovely people. And um, yeah, there's somebody said to me recently, shine your weird light so that Mm -hmm. all the weirdos can find you. (laughs) Yeah, I I love love it's similar. I love the phrase of you're going to be too much for some people. Those aren't your people. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it, like when I, you know, I, I had very, very, very um, secure sort of friendships. Well, I thought so growing up, you know, and and then when you kind of look back on them, it's like there was a lot of of molding of me, you know, like to the point of like, oh, don't wear that. You should wear this, or oh, don't say that, you know. And you look back now and go, actually. I don't think that was a very secure, very sort of positive relationship because I had to be someone else to be cool enough for you, you know. Um, and now it's just like, just uh, I'm definitely, you know, much more silly as a sober person than I was when I was drinking because I was so paranoid and and yeah, obsessed with what other people thought or watching what other people were doing and trying to match their behaviour you know and I I was I was really kind of miserable and serious with my kids you know and that was a real revelation that actually I'm just much more silly now and just more fun as a parent you know and you think you're going to lose all that when you stop drinking because you lubricate those evenings oh we have a jolly time but it's like it's not it's not authentic you know I was I was a bit pissed I'd had two glasses of wine and now it's like when we play games and we're silly, it's like, it's, it's real. And, you know, that's. Yeah. So it's like that joy bubbling up. Yeah. And when you don't feel that way, that's okay too. You can just yeah. take care of yourself. Yeah. I did want to talk to you because, you know, there's some good stuff that we don't talk about as much. So just really quickly before we end, you have a chapter called bring on the sparkle. And so wanted to, you know, talk about the really fun, good stuff. Well, Kate, this is your uh, element. Yeah, and and it is, it's, you, you've really put me on the spot. I was gonna, I've got the book here in front of me. You know, it's like, it's a typical mum thing, isn't it? Because it's morning for you, isn't it, Casey? And for us, it is night time. And because it's past, it's about seven o'clock for me at night, my brain doesn't work. So I'm just having a look in the book. Oh, yeah, because I was going to talk about, you know, the um, some of the stuff in, in the book because yeah. we're both coaches. Um, a lot of this, it's, well, the, the feedback that we've had is that you can dip in and out of it really easily. 
Yeah. Because we really didn't want it to be onerous and have to plough through loads of text. So we've got lots of little um, personal projects in there about socialising, self-compassion. We've got a thing about a whole section on socialising. We've got the things that might trip you up, you know, like when you think, oh, I'm all right now and you go back to drinking like we've all done. So we've got a section on those. We've got um, lots of stuff about because we felt that a lot of stuff was to do with our sensory toolkit and our emotional toolkit. We've got a lot of coaching tools in around that, identifying emotions, um, asserting boundaries. So it really is that sort of stopping, you know, getting sober, getting through the day, getting through wine o'clock. Also, that whole thing about, you know, I believe everyone has their script, you know, that the, the voice that says and then it will trot out the reasons why. And one of those real fundamental tools is to get to know that script so that you're like, oh, that's the wine witch going on again. Yeah, I call it Wolfie. I know so many people call it the wine witch. It's that inner voice that whispers in your ear that drinking is a good idea. And totally agree. Identifying that and realizing that it's lying to you is just huge. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's all of that. It's going through all of that. And I think that part of my, one of my core values, and now I'm going to say two things, is that kind of awe and wonder. You know, like everyone, I think one of the biggest fears of, you know, when you quit drinking is that we're going to stop enjoying ourselves. So bringing on the fun, bringing on the sparkle, like you said. And part of this, I think we can do, I've been reading lately about what they call, do you know about ventral vagal anchors? Have you ever heard that phrase? I haven't. Okay. So in the um, the polyvagal theory about our vagus nerve, the state that we want to be in, rather than we know about fight flight, now we know about freeze, which is part of the parasympathetic response when we're super, super stressed. But what we want is to be the opposite. We want to be open and receptive, connected. And so we can do things so that the bits in the brain that are like um, about connectivity, about being pro-social are going to help us heal. Right. And they're going to help our sobriety and they're going to help our mental well-being. And you can do uh, some lovely exercises where you just recall people, places, um, places in your house, maybe. And you're looking for that. Ah, oh, that that moment where you just go, oh, that feels good to me. And it could be a chair in your bedroom where the sunlight hits it in a certain way. And you sit there and you see the light coming across and you just get that moment. And it's really beautiful. And, and even if just, you know, maybe you're a walk by the sea and you can recall people or places or times of the day that make you feel like that. And so there's a real kind of sense of abundance rather than deprivation. Um, The other thing that I really love to do is look for those kind of sparkly bits like fairy lights, cityscapes, anything that connects us to something greater as well. And there's that kind of awe and wonder piece, which is apparently very good for inflammation, uh, lowering our stress levels, resizing our, you know, our problems in a way. And so I'm a bit of a fan of going into the woods and looking for strange things, um, finding a bit of sparkle that way. And um, lastly, um, I have a real love of musical theatre, which I didn't know about until quite recently, really, because I used to be in a band. So I thought that was very uncool. And um, I have found that waiting in the wings, surrounded by drag queens and showgirls with 
a, a ton of makeup on is wow. definitely my happy place. So I'm like, bring on the bring on the sparkle. <laughs> oh my gosh, that sounds amazing. Where did you even find that? Well, I've got a local amateur dramatic society. And one of the things that I did about three years ago is I went, I went along and just auditioned and I and I got a part one of the divas in Priscilla Queen of the Desert. Oh and, my um, gosh, that's so fun. I had a pink wig yeah proper Dolly Parton it's it was just the best fun and yeah waiting in the wings with a bunch of drag queens is literally if uh, you know it there's no one that can be in a bad mood yeah just all the tingles (laughs) and the joy and everything Yeah. yeah yeah that's wonderful well I know we're ending but um wanted to Thank you for coming on. Your book is wonderful. It is sort of takes everyone through sort of understanding where you are in the gray area and how to think about not drinking because there's no one who comes to this place who isn't going back and forth for a while, as well as how to get that, what I call sober momentum, how to get that time away from alcohol, how to do it in a way that feels like self-care that doesn't feel like the end of the world, that feels like a healthy choice. And then, you know, navigating those speed bumps that come once you've quit drinking. And, and like you said, Kate, how to not get tripped up when you have those thoughts of maybe I could drink again, maybe I could moderate. There's not a single person who doesn't go through that as well. And then bringing on the sparkle, just what's next, what opens up to you once you stop drinking. So Anyone listening to this, grab the book. It's out in paperback in the US. Kate and Mandy's Love Sober podcast is wonderful. I'll link to it. And, you know, just thank you so much. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having us. It's been great. Thank you so much. It's so lovely to meet you. I know we've known each other online for a while. So um, I'm really excited to have this conversation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hello Someday podcast. If you're interested in learning more about me, the work I do, and access free resources and guides to help you build a life you love without alcohol, please visit hellosomedaycoaching.com. And I would be so grateful if you would take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast so that more women can find it and join the conversation about drinking less and living more. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope, listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.